0: Hey guys, welcome to Internal Medicine and Beyond. I'm your host, Varun Aitharaju, and I'm a fourth year medical student at Northeast Ohio Medical University. This podcast is for aspiring internists and subspecialists eager to learn about the breadth and variety of internal medicine. I know as a medical student, I hear about the variety this specialty has to offer, but I decided to start this podcast and personally hear stories from physicians so they can talk about their experience in this specialty. Here I have Dr. Ankur Kalra, an interventional cardiologist at Indiana. He has many passions within and outside of clinical medicine as a researcher, a CEO for Make a Dent, a poet who published the book *Ibada*, and developer of the podcast Parallax, in which he talks to renowned cardiologists about groundbreaking developments in the field. Thanks, Dr. Kalra, for coming on.
1: Hey, Varun, thanks a lot for having me. Um, we crossed paths for the first time when we both were uh, you know, TEDx speakers um, for Neomed's for TEDx and you know, I I remember your talk, and and it was it was great for me to see someone at your stage uh, doing uh, it so beautifully and and with such aplomb. So, congratulations, uh, you know, both for landing a, a TEDx talk and for hosting the podcast.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. It's uh, nice reconnecting with you.
1: So, yeah, likewise.
0: So, for our first question, why did you choose to pursue internal medicine and later cardiology?
1: Um, so internal medicine, uh, was sort of homegrown for me, um, for lack of a better word, my father is an internist and a cardiologist and growing up in New Delhi in India, I would, um, you know, frequent him to conferences and, uh, you know, both national conferences and conferences overseas. And I would frequent, um, his, you know, clinic, visits as, as well as his home visits, you know, at the time when he was practicing. And this is when I was growing up in the mid to late eighties, uh, home visits were very common in India. Uh, so I would just frequent him to all the home visits. I would probably just sit in the car. Um, you know, many times he would just take me along to his patients' houses. And, um, you know, those experiences were very impressionable for me because I could see the the reverence that his patients had for him. And I could see the bonding of the uh, physician in my father and his patients. And, uh, you know, in, in lieu, I mean, of course, you know, he would charge a fee, but even more than that was, you know, just the adulation and the respect and what he got for goodies, uh, you know, when he would frequent patients at their, at their homes. And, you know, this is like homemade, uh, pickles and you know homemade uh, jaggery in india and you know homemade indian breads and uh, i just was uh, drawn to uh, the reverence that his patients had for him uh, so from very early on as far as i can remember you know asking myself this question as to what i want to pursue for a career um you know a physician has has always been the answer now uh, to answer your question on internal medicine and cardiology you know, internal medicine, for the, for the longest time in medical school, I thought I'll, I'll be a surgeon. Uh, I sort of liked uh, doing things with my hands and um, I, it gave me the gratification of actually having, quote unquote, done something. Um, but that changed when I was in, actually in my fourth year of medical school, I, I found surgery to be very um, unengaging cognitively. I mean, it certainly is, is, is a, is a very skillful specialty. And, you know, if you, if you then venture into, uh, you know, subspecialty, uh, it, it certainly requires a, a great degree of skill and a great degree of training. So, you know, of course, and, um, this is by no means taking anything away from our surgical colleagues, but, you know, to me, it just felt that I was more cognitively, uh, pushed, uh, challenged and, Um, um, enthused um, by internal medicine Um, and I I liked problem solving I I liked to come up with a broad differential and then narrowing it down to a diagnosis Um, so when uh, you know sort of you match those uh, cognitive skill sets with you know what you want to do in in terms of doing procedures uh, you know I, I think Cardiology is is becomes a natural subspecialty within internal medicine that you'd pick because it it gives you best of both the worlds, right? You you're cognitively um, deeply involved with uh, decision making and coming up with a broad differential and then establishing a diagnosis. And once you establish a diagnosis, and, and then you want to train yourself into altering the disease course of that particular patient, you you know it's it's a skillful field where you can do a myriad of procedures, you know, whether it's procedures at the bedside, you know, temporary pacemaker insertion, intraortic balloon counterpulsation, uh, pulmonary artery catheterization, you know, all the way to being in the cath lab and, you know, revascularizing coronary, coronary disease or, you know, deploying transcatheter heart valves. So, um, you know, and, you know, certainly there has been an evolution in the procedural aspect of cardiology through the past four decades, certainly the past two decades with the advent of TAVI, And we can talk more about that, but you know, that's, I'm, I'm sorry for the long winded answer, but that is, that in essence is my pathway to internal medicine and, and cardiology.
0: Yeah, definitely. You're right. Cardiology is a very, very broad specialty. So speaking about that, what are some of the most important qualities for an interventional cardiologist like yourself?
1: Um, you know, I, so first of all, the ability to be, uh, a really good internist and the ability to be a really, really good cardiologist. Um, You know, that uh, is a sine qua non for being a really good interventionist. Um, They all go hand in hand. uh, And, you know, with interventional cardiology, the, the other, I think, important quality is to be be able to make decisions on the fly and, you know, think um, expeditiously and, you know, be on your, be on your feet and sort of, adapt to situations which change in a matter of seconds and and be prompt and have those reflexes where you can you know react appropriately um it sort of takes time to get there you know i think the more you you train and the more you are in the lab you know the better you get at it like with any procedural based field but you know i would say um critical thinking thinking on the fly being on your feet um being attentive. It's sort of very meditative, actually, if you ask me, because uh, it's one of the few times um, you are really in the moment at all times, because there's nothing else um, that you can afford to think. Uh, You know, you just are so focused on the the present moment and the now uh, that it it almost is very meditative, you know, when you are in the cat lab procedure. Um, and you know, what I mentioned earlier, you know, you have to be uh, just a, a, very, a, a really good internist uh, to begin with and also a really good cardiologist for you to be able to make the, the right diagnosis and, and come up with the right treat, treatment plan for your patients. Makes sense.
0: So tell us about your involvement in founding a nonprofit, Make A Den, and why you started this.
1: Um, so, Make a Dent is, is a spiritual calling for me. It's um, an expression of Platonic love. Um, it's an expression um, of the greater good. Um, and uh, it has given me a new meaning, uh, a new purpose, and a new dimension to my existential being. Um, through Make a Dent, uh, the idea is to think of concepts which are novel. Uh, you know, not only in terms of innovation and um, you know how things are are done, but also how we how we think of things. And you know, it certainly also addresses um, concepts which are now becoming fairly mainstream. You know, I'm talking about health disparities and also diversity, equity, and inclusion. So the the scope is broad. Um, the foundation and the motivation is platonic love and love for the greater good Um, the north star is to be the change uh, which uh, you know is Gandhi's philosophy Um, and uh, you know the date is um, September 16th which uh, was one of the pivotal dates uh, in the um, movement for freedom uh, when when Gandhi fought against the British Raj for India. Um, and through make a dent uh, you know we've we've taken on several initiatives but i would say mostly projects you know research projects which uh, focus on four four broad topics i did mention um, a couple of them previously um, you know health disparity is is an important topic so we've done a lot of work uh, addressing health disparity uh, and then there's diversity equity and inclusion so we've done you know we've we've looked into databases and we've published reports on you know gender and race and and how um that affects opportunities um for our colleagues in in medicine and then you know obviously there's the science so there's heart and vascular, which certainly is uh, an area of active clinical investigation for make a dent. and then there's south Asian heart health which is uh, you know very close to my heart uh, i mean you're a South Asian and uh, you know, us uh, simply by the virtue of being South Asians are at heightened risk for atherosclerosis. Um, So, uh, you know, make a dent has an initiative called chai Um, you know, no puns intended. (laughs) I mean, chai is one of the most commonly drank drinks in in India. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure everyone who's listening knows, Um, but it stands for cardiovascular health in Asian Indians. And uh, the idea is to bring together, um, you know, epidemiologists, cardiologists, interventionalists, preventive cardiologists, uh, whoever is interested and wants to contribute to better understanding of why there is or why there remains a heightened risk for atherosclerosis in South Asians. Um, That's the initiative. And and through this initiative, we've sort of published a few reports, which, you know, are available on Make A Dense website and can be accessed. so those are some of the, um, you know, broad areas where um, MakeADent has um, invested its its money and its efforts. And then there's certainly uh, the podcast Parallax, which um, MakeADent is, uh, is is a proud co-host. I, I can say it's it's published by Ratcliffe Medical Media Group in the United Kingdom and. It's an association with Naked End, so um, you know those are some of the uh, initiatives and some of the projects and um, some of the uh, podcasting you know that we do. And you know, with, with podcasting, you know, again, really it, the focus is to bring for discussions which um, talk about issues which you know maybe considered taboo or talk about issues which have been considered. Um, you know, sort of closed door conversations. We sort of bring them, want to bring them to the fore um, so that, you know, colleagues who are struggling with those issues um, have a platform where uh, these things are discussed openly and honestly.
0: Sounds great. Yeah, it looks like Make a Den has a lot of avenues to kind of explore whether it's research, whether it's public health and uh, diversity inclusion. Um, and I like that acronym. It's a, it's a great acronym, Chai. <laughs> Um, so, you know, you've been very involved in cardiovascular research for the majority of your career. What about research has continued to fascinate you?
1: Um, so the one thing which, um, you know, has been the flavor of my research has been that most of these questions have, um, actually been asked at the bedside. Uh, and, or, you know, I mean, if you look at health disparity and also look at the word, diversity equity and inclusion uh, these questions have have come to the fore and have sort of bothered i, I don't think they've bothered i mean they've certainly uh, made me very inquisitive they 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 have bothered me I, I mean i should say that they have bothered me as to why there is a, a particular inequity or you know why certain things are done in a certain way shape or form or why isn't there uh, you know equitable distribution amongst uh, colleagues for opportunities and why do race and gender play such an important role? Um, So, you know, I think it's important to be observant. It's important to be curious. It's important to keep asking uh, questions at the bedside. It's important to know what the evidence is. It's important to also know where the evidence is lacking. Um, You know, that's how you come up with questions for research. And, you know, the more you think in that fashion, the more you develop that muscle The more it will serve you because that's it'll just become your way of being. You know, you'll just keep asking questions, and the more you ask, the more you have to answer, and the more you have to answer, the more research you have to do. So I think um, it it just becomes a way of of who you are. You know, as as a physician or as a clinician scientist, uh, it's just how you become. I mean, you just um, every decision you make, every step you take. You know, you go back, you read the literature, you ask yourself questions as to what the data are, uh, you know, is there enough evidence to uh, pursue this step for, the, for this particular patient? Uh, and if there isn't, then you sort of go digging. And if you can't find it, well, there you go. You have a new research question.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. As an author of the poetry book, Ibada, tell us about your inspiration writing this book and how clinicians can balance art with medicine.
1: Um, so that was also the uh, the topic of my TED talk. It was the science and the art of a broken heart. And I sort of presented both avenues, you know, avenues of broken heart uh, as an artist. You know, so through poetry and then avenues of broken heart um, as a clinician scientist, when we published, um, you know, broken heart syndrome research uh, through my former appointment at the Cleveland Clinic, where we demonstrated um, a 4 and a half to five-fold increase in the incidence of broken heart syndrome during the pandemic um, so 2020 was an interesting year for me because uh, the poetry book was launched actually by the Cleveland Clinic Arts and Medicine Institute uh, on Valentine's Day in 2020 and then the pandemic hit and so all my um, poetry book readings were cancelled and then we were just seeing these cluster of cases of broken heart syndrome. And, you know, I beg the question as to if this is just a chance occurrence or if this is actually happening because of the pandemic. And, you know, we did end up answering that question scientifically, Uh, but, you know, getting back to balancing art and medicine, I think art is an important outlet uh, at least it is for me. Um, It is important for me. See, Varun, I'll, I'll tell you this, you know, as a clinician, particularly as an acute care clinician, you'll, come across a myriad of emotions through your patients and you know even if you are not directly involved with with you know their their distant relatives or even with uh, the family um, that visits them after they have gotten acute care um, you sort of uh, you, you sort of experience these emotions when you are taking care of them in in the throes of a of a cardiac emergency and when that happens um there are two ways to, to handle those emotions, right? You know, one is you can become immune to them. Um, and you know, may, maybe that works for, for certain people. It, it obviously does not for me. I, I just like to be, uh, you know, with my patients and I, I like to be vulnerable, um, you know, with them. Um, so when, when you, um, assume, uh, vulnerability with, with patients and, and when you sort of are there for them, when they are at their most vulnerable stages, you know, in their lives, I, I think you you have to process a lot of emotion. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm an emotional person. Um, I, I don't know if that's the right thing or a wrong thing, but that's just who I am. Uh, so for me to be able to balance what I'm absorbing on a daily basis, and then still go back uh, each day um, with the same vigor and the same enthusiasm and the same focus, um, I need to be able to process vulnerabilities that I get exposed to on a daily basis. So I need to be able to journal, um, all the emotions that I see. Um, so I saw a lot of, I mean, as you certainly see a lot of love, you see a lot of loss, you see, you see heartbreak, um, as an acute care clinician. And, you know, for me to be able to process all these emotions, uh, you know, I, the, the best form I thought was, was to write. Now I, I wanted to write a love story, um, um, the, you know, and 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 that's just because I, I love writing, and and also that um, I am inspired by the Bhagavad Gita, and I, I find there is a lot of re- relevance um, for the Bhagavad Gita in our modern day lives. And uh, you know, I've I've been a follower of of the Bhagavad Gita thanks to my mother, who's uh, been reading Bhagavad Gita ever since she was twenty one, and you know, she's sixty five now, and. So you know, again, born and bred in New Delhi, I was fed on the Bhagavad Gita. So that text has has been my foundational guide. Um, and when I see avenues where I can translate those teachings into applicability into our modern lives, I I do I don't want to lose that opportunity. So I I wanted to write a, a love story, and I wanted the foundational principles to be based on the Bhagavad Gita. And I wanted it to be set amidst, amidst war, you know, like the Bhagavad Gita was. Um, and so what I did was with the experiences that I, I was vicariously having through my patients, I, I would write these proses and then I would convert them into poetry um, so that I could one day put together uh, this book, this novel, this love story that I, I, I'm writing, actually, I still am. Um, it, it, it does have a release date now, finally, it's going to be released uh, in 2024 on Valentine's Day again. Uh, but when I showed the the collection of poetry to my friend who happens to be a New York Times bestselling author, she said, look, you know, in and of itself, this collection would form a fantastic poetry book. Um, so why don't you just put these together in the form of a poetry book? Um, it'll do two things for you. One, it'll actually make you go through the process of putting things together and coming up with the book. And two, it will give you the audience and it'll give you the feedback that you can utilize when you are actually writing the novel. So I thought that was a great idea. That was a brilliant idea. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a self-published uh, endeavor. Uh, I found a publisher and, you know, the publisher said that there was room for them to publish a poetry book, that this would be a good collection for them. And um, I think we went on doing this by um, initially actually advertising the poems on Instagram to see if there is receptivity to these, to these poems. And, you know, when we found that there was, you know, good receptivity, then, you know, the publishers were convinced that we could put this together in the form of a poetry book. So that, that's sort of the background story, uh, the genesis, the motivations, the inspiration um, of how I landed up with a poetry book in 2020. But I can tell you that the, the, the seed for it was, was sown in 2018 so it, it took me about a couple of years to come up with this uh, you know neat little book of poetry which has about 30 poems so it took it took me that long uh, but i but at about the same time i also started writing um i believe it was you know early 2019 i started writing the the novel which you know if you date back probably has will take me close to five years. Um, but, but, you know, the, and, and the, the, the reason I, I, I even bring, you know, these time dimensions is, um, not that time and space. I mean, time and space are very rel- relative in the grand scheme of things, in my opinion. You know, I think if you, um, are doing work, which is timeless, you know, like the Bhagavad Gita, then, um, it will find its audience for ages and ages and ages. Um, i just bring I just bring up time because you know for for just for the listeners to get a sense of um, how long it takes that anything that anything meaningful that you do uh, you know takes a good amount of time and takes a lot of thought and and planning and action so I, I don't know if that answered your question. I mean again, it was a long-winded answer, but I'm you know I wanted to share basically how the poetry book was born.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's a very incredible journey. I think It's very inspirational. So Dr. Kalra, it seems like art for you is almost like an outlet for a lot of the emotions that come with practicing medicine. I think that's a really good point for with burnout rates, you know, on the rise for a lot of specialties, it's important for people to understand that art and, you know, the different ways you express your emotion can be a good outlet for a lot of the stress that can be happening, or a lot of the emotions that positive and negative that happen with, with practicing medicine.
1: Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. So Dr. Kalra, we talk about a lot of the, you know, different things you've been involved in as a, as a poet, as a podcaster, as a CEO, uh, how do you recommend students or residents balance non-clinical interests, like the ones we just described with their clinical duties?
1: Yeah, Varun, I think the, the first thing is, um, that needs to be brought to the fore is that, you know, your, your foremost responsibility is toward your patients. So, um, you know, you, you have to be, Uh, responsive and you have to be um, available for them Uh, and you have to keep that as the fulcrum of your existence you know if you are a practicing physician or a clinician Um, other things um, I'm not saying that they're less important they are important you know I think each of these things you know form the whole person that you are uh, and it's important that these things find expression, right? Because, uh, you know, finding expression is, is balancing your, your existence. Um, so for me, uh, you know, for med students or even for residents or, or trainees who are listening, uh, you know, the one important message here is that, you know, first and foremost, do your job well, uh, take care of your patients and, and make sure you're available for them. Um, and then, you know, do find time for vocation, you know, do find time for doing things which give you purpose and give you meaning, uh, because medicine, you know, can be, uh, can be brutal, it can be cruel, uh, you can get completely consumed. And you'll find that, uh, you know, in due course, you'll, you'll start experiencing burnout. Actually, we, we, we recently, as of two days ago, just published uh, an article inspired by the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, on the conflict of burnout, which was published in the European Heart Journal, um, so it's important to find um, your constant source of inspiration. You know whether that, that is spirituality, whether that is uh, an expression of art. You know whether that is painting or poetry, or uh, you know whether that's bike riding or hiking, or you know working out or high intensity, high intensity interval training. Um, so it's it's important to find expression for everything that you want to do and pursue in your life. Uh, that's what you know gets you a, a whole life, in my opinion. Um, so many people, you know, have asked me, you know, how, how can you do or how have you done a myriad of these things and, and done them, uh, you know, on a consistent basis and, and done them well. And, you know, the answer is um, find time and basically devote time to that one, one particular task and assign days. You know, for example, I most of my podcast recordings I do on Sunday evenings. Most of my writing I do on Friday evenings. Um, a lot of the research actually happens uh, between cases uh, or when, you know, I'm waiting for, um, you know, the room to get ready. Uh, I mean, a lot of the editing of the manuscripts happens, you know, between patients, uh, and, you know, you can say that that can call for a very busy day and it certainly can. But if it fulfills you, you will not feel burnt out. You'll not feel busy. You will not feel that this is another chore. It'll actually give you meaning. So, you know, for me, uh, the research that I do through Make a Dent gives me a ridiculous amount of meaning in my life. Like it's like it's my life's purpose. If if everything is taken away from me, I'll still be fulfilled and I'll still be happy because I have Make a Dent. Um, similarly poetry gives me a lot of meaning so you know if everything is stripped away from me I can still do my poetry which you know again is an outlet for me it's it's an expression for me Um, but you know I think you know I think the point that you're trying to make and that the point that you're asking is that how do you balance doing all these things together and doing them consistently you know the answer is you know just having discipline and I say in the crucible of discipline lies freedom so if you if you are regimented and disciplined and if you have assigned hours or hour and assigned is the week to all these tasks then you can you know be rest assured that you know Friday evenings is going to be your writing and you know Sunday evenings is going to be your podcasting and that way you are compartmentalizing tasks which you want to accomplish because they they also give you a dimension they also give you meaning they also give your existing your your existence, uh, you know, the purpose, whatever that purpose may be. Um, that's how I think of this, uh, and that's how I execute this. You know, if if that answers your question.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's that's great advice. Scheduling your um, activities accordingly, but also you know finding meaning in them. And I think that that will kind of carry carry it well. Um, so finally, for a student or resident interested in cardiology, what is your strongest piece of advice?
1: Um, the strongest piece of advice is, um, to work closely with your cardiology colleagues, you know, work closely with cardiology fellows, uh, Research is, has always been key, uh, to applications in cardiology. So I would encourage applicants to get involved early. A lot of the times what happens is that residents seek quick projects because they want to apply for a fellowship and they want to be done because they want to be able to show X, Y, or Z number of publications on their resume. That is fine. That's a short-term goal. If, if that's what you have in mind, then make certain that you are, spe- you are spelling that out to your mentor that, you know, look, uh, research is not for me. I'm deeply interested in cardiology. I'm a decent clinician. I have done well in my cardiology rotation. Um, I want to pursue it as a field. I find a lot of meaning, a lot of gratification in taking care of these patients. I know cardiology applications are competitive, um, i need i need help in you know building up my resume uh, if i can be of help in any of the ongoing research projects or if i can be of any help in any of the pending writing assignments that you have you know please let me know then if you do that you know the one thing which is crucial is don't let your mentor down right so uh, make sure that you are um, fulfilling and meeting all the deadlines and and you know meeting all the Um, expectations in terms of wrapping up projects and wrapping up data collection and writing them up and getting them analyzed, Because the last thing you want is to, you know, seek someone for an obligation and then not turn up and and do the work the way it should be done. Um, So, you know, know what you can do and, you know, get involved early. I think the best stage to get involved is actually medical school because, you know, internship gets busy. Second year of internal medicine residency is usually nerve wracking because you're, you're the senior taking care of your interns and you're running the service and it's important to be a really good resident. It's important to be clinically sound and clinically very good for you to be a good cardiology applicant. So I think if you get involved early, you know, in your third year or fourth year of medical school, identify a mentor who can actually give you really good projects. Like, you know, I, I mean, first author papers, um, you know, or, you know, certainly in the top three as a medical student, I think those are important um, sort of, you um, goals to keep in mind when you're approaching someone. Uh, And then one thing I always ask is, you know, when you are approaching someone for research, uh, you know, don't approach. And look, you you know, like I said, not, not everyone is cut out for research. Not everyone is meant to do research. Uh, You'll have incredible clinicians who will take great care of patients, but they're just not researchers. Uh, So, and then, you know, there's vice versa. And then you have a combination of both like people who will do, Really good research and people who will do really good clinically. So I think it's it is important for you to do the homework as to who you're approaching. Uh, you know, do a quick PubMed search on that particular person you're wanting to approach or trying to approach, and and see what they've put out. Uh, you know, what their theme is in terms of the the verve or the or the flavor of their research if that sort of resonates with you. And um, if it does, then you know approach that person who's been productive so that you for sure know that. You are going to get something out of your effort that you put in and, you know, the, the time that you spent and invest with this particular person. Um, so those are some of the, you know, housekeeping, um, you know, sort of nuggets or, or points that I, uh, I think are, should be discussed or are, are important for anyone who's planning a career in, in cardiology, you know, to be, to be a successful cardiology applicant.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Kalra, for coming on. Your answers are very inspirational, educational. I'm I'm sure the students, residents, and even attendings listening will find uh, a lot of use in that. So thank you so much.
1: Yeah, no, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.